Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. As we continue our study in the book of Revelation, we're in the second half of Revelation chapter 13, and today we tackle the most discussed topic in the entire book of Revelation. We are on 666. I think what I'm going to share with you is going to be a little different from where the, a lot of the attention goes, but let's, let's catch up with the text itself, and then we'll go into its meaning. Then I saw another beast, that is the false prophet, which arose out of the earth. It exercises all the authority of the first beast, that is the Antichrist, in its presence, and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. It works great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in the sight of men. And by the signs, which it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on earth, bidding them make an image for the beast, which was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, that is, the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let him who has understanding reckon the number of the beast, for it is a human number. Its number is 666. Now, what is this passage talking about? A lot of attention and a lot of books are published trying to let you know exactly what 666 means and and who's the bad guy, so to speak. And that fruitless exercise has gone on for quite a bit of church history. Let me tell you exactly what this second half of the book of Revelation chapter 13 is talking about. It's state-enforced idolatry. A king or ruler has deified himself, and this is the main problem. And that's the Antichrist, is the king of or that ruler. And the 666 mark is is the means to enforce this idolatry. The problem is the idolatry. The 666 mark is simply the means to enforce the idolatry. So the main point of this second half of Revelation 13, it isn't whether the mark is a computer chip imprint or barcode, what some people thought a couple of decades ago, a tattoo, a genetic contamination, whatever. I have no idea. But I do know that the mark, 666, is the means to enforce idolatry. Remember, the whole book of Revelation, it's worship and kingship. The Antichrist is going to deify himself, proclaim himself basically king of the world. This is going to happen. 
and nations and kings and sovereignties will be merged under his rule. And once he proclaims himself God, he will demand worship. It will come through deception, all these false miracles that the false prophet does in front of the Antichrist will convince people he's the real deal because everybody who's spiritual but not, or religious but not whatever, spiritual but not religious, I don't know how that goes, basically that's a cop-out. You're highly committed to Jesus Christ or you're going to be deceived by this stuff. But on top of this, this false prophet is involved in setting up a comprehensive universal economic control. It says everybody, small and great, rich and poor, if you're Bill Gates or you're in poverty, free and slaved, has to get the mark of a beast. And again, the mark is the means to enforced idolatry because you can't engage in any kind of economic trade without that mark. Now, it's interesting because remember when we study the book of Revelation, we don't want to just look at the future. We want to look at the past and particularly look at the past because it'll give you a good lens at the future. There's a couple of things we'll try to get to, but the first is just looking at the first century. You know, the Roman Empire actually did a pretty good job of this. I mean, they didn't have any, you know, high-speed computers and all this type of thing. But ask yourself, why did Mary and Joseph end up going to Bethlehem so that Jesus could be born where the prophet said he would? Bethlehem. Well, they were required by Caesar to register in the town of their birth for an empire-wide tax census. They want to get everybody enrolled. Now, at this point, they weren't required to acknowledge Caesar as God or Caesar as Lord, as later happened, but this is the Roman practice. And today, thinking how well the Roman Empire did, I mean, a cashless worldwide economy, let's just say it's a, a digital currency, there's no paper or minimal paper currency, that isn't hard to imagine. This would actually be rather easy. I think it was pretty difficult what was happening in the days of the Holy Family in Bethlehem. But, you know, the United States is very involved in this. U.S. aid has negotiated cooperative agreements with the Indian Ministry of Finance, and they have declared a goal to push back on the use of cash in favor of digital payments and using India as kind of a uh, proving ground for this experiment and then move globally. The Gates are involved with this. Uh, Catholic Relief uh, Services are involved with this. The UN is involved with this. And rather suddenly in November 2016, the Indian government declared the two largest uh, bills in their currency invalid. And kind of overnight, they abolished about 80% of the circulating cash. And of course, this uh, created big turmoil over there and it was supposed to help the poor. And the poor basically dealt a lot in cash and you know it really didn't help them. But nonetheless, uh, the people who control these big international organizations and the billionaire philanthropists think they're really helping us out by having a cashless worldwide uh, currency. 
And the only big hurdle, really, it's not a question of a computer being able to do this. It's just whose computer gets to keep track of things and have control of the world's economic systems. You see, what Revelation 13 is talking about is world government. The Antichrist will be given this sovereignty. He'll be allowed to exercise this. And then you have along with the Antichrist, the false prophet, the second beast, establishing a worldwide religion. And I'm my guess is when he does this, he'll find some way that, like, if you're a Muslim, you can still be a Muslim, but you have to kind of sign up with the Antichrist too. Or if you're a Catholic, you can still go to Mass as long as you recognize the authority of the beast. Uh, if you want a picture of this, you think of China now as basically taking over the Catholic Church, and you can go to the Catholic Church, so long as you recognize there's authority over that Catholic Church in China, and that's the communist rulers. That's kind of how this will work. And then along with that, the last half, this is where the 666 comes in, there'll be the worldwide economy. And the worldwide economy will require allegiance to the beast It'll be quite voluntary, <laughs> in a sense, because you don't have to get the mark just if you like to eat and get health care and transportation and education and a paycheck and pay your mortgage and pay the electric bill. You got to get the mark. This creates great difficulties. And of course, it's, it's enforced idolatry, but that's the soft side. And then it says also, those who receive the mark, the name of the beast, uh, they're going to be slain. They're going to be killed. And so this is what's going on, unless you get this mark of the beast. Now, here's what I see as the key overlooked phrase in this chapter about 666, and it's at the end. This calls for wisdom. Let him who has understanding reckon the number of the beast, for it is a human number, and its number is 600 and 66. I think the key isn't trying to discern, you know, is it Nero Caesar or is it somebody Gorbachev people thought it was and Henry Kissinger and all this type thing. Instead, concentrate that it's a human number and you can see what happens. Because what's going to happen with 666, the human number, a man, the Antichrist, is going to glorify, deify himself and require worship. But not just the man. The Antichrist is going to lead fallen humanity into glorifying and deifying themselves. You see, if you want to know the essence of idolatry, take the first letter of that word, idolatry, and use a 72-sized font. Idolatry is that great, huge, bloated I or ego. You want to get to the essence of sin, spell it S-I-N, but take that middle letter I and make that a 72-point font. That's what idolatry is doing. That's what the Antichrist is doing. And the reason the world goes along with him, because you have to have it your way. You can have anything you want. You can be whatever gender you want. You can be whatever sexual orientation you want. And you can sue anybody you want who tries to ruin what you declare for yourself. And the world is going to come back to swallowing the first lie proclaimed in the book of Genesis, chapter 3 and verse 5. Satan says, 
you will be like God. That's the poison fruit. And 666, number seven is a number of perfection. Mankind created on the sixth day. Many commentators recognize that this is an intensive way of saying something less than perfection. It's man trying to be something he isn't, man trying to be like God. And in the first century, it was simply getting a pinch of incense and saying, Caesar is Lord and you're good to go. That's all it was. And that's why the Christians went to the Colosseum. That's why the Christians were martyred. And it's not just the first century, because those who say the book of Revelation is just first century, well, it's also a second uh, time period. Actually, going back to the sixth century BC in Daniel chapter three, this is where this all started. King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon made a huge image of gold of himself that was 60 cubits high and six cubits wide, 66. That was the warm up for 666. And he commanded everybody to worship the image, and he was furious at Daniel's companions, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they got tossed into the fiery furnace for not bending the knee before the idol of King Nebuchadnezzar. Worship and kingship, that is what's going to be at the culmination of the ages. Now, so it's not just first century, it's not just sixth century BC, But it's the little season in the future where these two beasts, the Antichrist and the false prophet, come and require worship and kingship and recognize that man has become God. That's the lie and that's the contest. Is Jesus Lord or Caesar or some future ruler? I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 107 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.